Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. And today we are going to be dealing with uh, mysterious disappearances in national parks. This is episode um, number 53. Um, this has been, for a long time, the material for... Books on missing people, uh, search and rescue attempts, uh, paranormal, and all other kind of uh, things that may or may not make good books. Uh, In the United States, the National Park System has about 84 million uh, acres of uh, woods, desert, mountains, uh, wilderness streams, rock embankments, and, and every other other thing like that. Um, over a hundred years, a lot of the articles say that there's been more than a thousand missing people. Um, I don't know if that number is actually correct because it doesn't seem to be. I mean, um, the number just seems exceptionally high. Um, I mean, some some of the uh, focuses of uh, urban legends, uh, like the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, um, and some of the other cases around, um, seem to gravitate around these more well well known cases. Okay, that was a little bit of an interruption, but on the other hand, so <clears throat> there's, there's been a lot of focus on missing people and this and that and the. Uh, National parks, um, and of course, always when it comes to national parks, you have uh, the book uh, by Dave Plaitis, uh "Missing 411." Uh, <clears throat> a lot of different conspiracy theories he has, you know, uh, Bigfoot, wild man, all kind of other happy horse crap that doesn't exist. And then, of course, they go along with him. He has. Uh, George Knapp, who is another uh, car salesman, you know, just selling selling these bullshit stories and things that never existed. Um, you know, although we may, it may be kind of intriguing or cons- more, conspiracy, <laughs> more of a conspiracy than anything else, some people do believe that there's monsters, uh, and supernatural events going out on the Natural Park Service. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at the expanse of the forested areas, the uh, a lot of hazardous conditions in these parks. You know, you have water, you have high elevations, you have crevices people could fall into between the rocks, you have and in some cases, wild animals, which seems to really kind of be the, um, you know, least of any any of the uh, any of the uh, above. So you have to take that into consideration too. What is <clears throat> is it possible somebody walks out in the woods and is never seen again? Well, sure it is. You know, um, we're going to look at a couple cases today. Uh, we're going to look at the Bessie and uh, Glenn Hyde case of uh, ni- 1929, the Alfred 
<coughs> Bell's Heart, uh, Case 1938, Catherine uh, Van Alst of 46, Paul Welding of uh, 46, Larry Jeffrey 66, and last but not least is probably the most famous out of all of them is uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin, uh, June 14th, 66, 69, excuse me. So, you know, like I said, a lot of these cases, you know, uh, a lot of people want to bolster them, make them sound like they're a lot more than what they are. But the fact is, <clears throat> most of these cases are, are people lost. Um, either being serious injured, seriously injured or dying in remote areas, <clears throat> you know, uh, by natural causes, falling off ledges, <clears throat> falling into crevasses and the, the rocks, uh, drowning. I don't use animal attacks that often because that's very rare. Uh, and of course there are abductions. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't take that out, but for the most part, these are mostly uh, natural occurrences. Um, in the first case from uh, 28, uh, Bessie and Glenn Hyde were on their honeymoon in northern Arizona at the Grand uh, Canyon uh, when they disappeared. They wanted to travel down the, the Colorado River, River, excuse me, <laughs> you learned not to talk again, uh, by boat. Uh, for, for Bessie, this would have been the first time a woman ever... Uh, successfully uh, completed the uh, route. <clears throat> you know, uh, Glenn had been an experienced boater. Bessie was not an experienced boater. Uh, the couple ran across other boaters a few weeks before the disappearance uh, who said they uh, got the feeling that Bessie wanted to uh, <clears throat> turn back, but Glenn was pushing her on. Um, you know, I don't know you know exactly how to take that. <clears throat> but just remember that Glenn was pushing her on. Because you're going to see where I'm going with this down. A little farther down. For some reason, um, they, they indicate that there was money <clears throat> at stake in the trip. I don't know exactly what that meant. Um... But for whatever that means, you know, take it take it as it is. Uh, basically, several months later, the Hyde boat was discovered <clears throat> in a winter, seemingly undisturbed. It was upright and full of supplies. Uh, the couple was gone. There are many theories about what happened. Um, you know, and some of the theories are really kind of freaking bizarre. People make up a lot of bizarre shit, and not everybody believes them. <clears throat> you know, um, you know, uh, some of them, uh, like, did they have an argument that turned violent? Well, so let's get, let's think about this. So Glenn was pushing Bessie to go on. They got into an argument, but there are conflicting reports about what happened to hide and what they're, they're they're saying is they don't tell you in these articles because these people I, I don't know where they're going to write but I guess that's how it is what ha <clears throat> what happened to the hides what they're talking about what happened to Glenn Hyde because there were reports more than one report that Bessie Hyde was cited in the years that followed <clears throat> 
So, you know, the again, the bolstered uh, statement of uh, her husband attempting to force her on um, and it becoming violent, you know, that big that big pop word to make everything sound like it's so intriguing. Um, basically, by, by the statements here, uh, if anybody got whacked, it was the husband because the wife was seen. And who's to say if she was seen years after that, who to, who's to say the husband wasn't around? So <clears throat> that theory is kind of bullshit. Um, take it for what, uh, what it is. Now, the next one is <clears throat> Alfred, uh, Bilehurst, a four-year-old, uh, <clears throat> they said was the first recorded drowning in Colorado, uh, Mountain National Park. <clears throat> but at this time, there's no conclus- conclusive evidence that Bellhart ever uh, drowned. He was camping in the park with his family on July uh, 4th of, uh, let me just see what year this was. This my compute, my, my notes are just all messed up here. You know, that's how, it, that's how it is when you try to do th- things the right way. And you use all this mechanical, all this electronic bullshit, and it just it just goes nowhere fast. Um, and let me see. Okay, so Bellhart disappeared in 38. Okay, so four-year-old disappeared in, in 1938. <clears throat> now, here's, here's the really interesting thing about it, and this is where I say, you know, <clears throat> there are people that should just never write true crime uh, articles uh, or mystery, because here we have Belfort had gone with his dad to bathe in the river, and from there they uh, they were decided to join the family about at a spot 500 feet upstream of where he and his father had entered the river. When everybody returned to camp, they realized that the younger Bellshurt was missing. Okay, well, here's the problem. Were both of the Bellshurt missing? No, it's singular. So only the four-year-old was missing, right? But where the hell did the father go? I mean, what happened? He just leaves a four-year-old out out in the fucking woods and walks back to the to the campsite. See, this is this is where the bullshit and all of the uh, all of these stories come up that. Really, really, in essence, kind of really piss me off because they're just so—I don't—I don't know what you want to call them—but they're just so bullshit. I mean, so I mean, this is like a half-assed story just to fill up space in a in an article. And I'm I'm actually going off of uh, an article that was in um, How Stuff Works, you know. So um, the interesting thing about it. As I scan through some of my notes, because I do take some notes occasionally. God, I hate these effing computers. Um, the one thing I did notice about this, which was kind of weird, there are conflicting reports about what happened to Hyde. Okay, that was a, that was the one we just did. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> after the kid goes missing and. We don't know if the father's missing, but, I mean, somebody should have put that in there. Uh, nobody put in what the hell the father said. 
the, uh, the, the search expanded to more than 100 civilian Conservation Corps members. Within 45 minutes, they were... Um, <clears throat> but uh, as luck, un, unluck would have it, um, there was... Uh, the, the child wasn't found. So... Um, which is kind of unusual because, like I said, there's too many unanswered questions about this bullshit. I mean, you know, like, the father doesn't know what's going on. I mean, come on. You know, so, um, yeah, that's kind of stupid. I mean, <clears throat> now, it says after the disappearance, a couple hiking about six miles away from uh, Bellhart's campsite, reported seeing a boy who, who looked like Alfred sitting... Uh, in an area called the Devil's Nest, but by the time authorities got there, the boy was gone. Uh, the search went on for 10 days and included 150 plus men and bloodhounds. <clears throat> the size of the search and the dwindling to dozens by the end of uh, the eighth day, park rangers uh, determined that his parents uh, was, was uh, due to a drowning. But the interesting thing was, did he drowned or who the hell was the kid they saw uh, six miles down the river? Kind of weird. Catherine uh, Van Oltz in 1946. This is kind of another one of those cases. you got to sit there and wonder, like, who wrote these articles? <clears throat> We're talking about an eight-year-old female here. Catherine Van Oltz disappeared from Devil's Den State Park near uh, <clears throat> Arkansas, Ozark National Forest, where... Her family were camping. <clears throat> she was playing with a brother when uh, she wandered off and got lost. They couldn't find her, and she, they, they believe that she couldn't find her way back. Um, it says what makes her disappearance remarkable is that when she was found, after six days wandering in the woods, she seemed eerily calm. Well, <clears throat> nothing for nothing, but... I just thought this art, these articles I was reading on unexplained disappearances. Well, if you found her, she didn't disappear. Holy crap, really? Jesus. Don't ever get on a police force, because uh, no, we can't have you working with us, sorry. So this wasn't really an unexplained disappearance. This was... <coughs> Excuse me, that soda went down the wrong way. This was actually a, uh, a search and rescue, okay? Now, the interesting thing is, it says the University uh, of Arkansas student Porter Chadwick was part of the search party that found Van Elts. He told the, uh, the press that when he found her, she walked, she walked socially out of a cave. What the hell does that mean? Like, was she wearing diamond-studded else she was dressed in a fur or, I, don't, I don't know what the hell that means <clears throat> here I'm surprised she had survived on berries and spent the night sleeping in a cave many other hikers had gotten lost in that part of the park and had not been as lucky as Van lost well stuff happens so but you can see the insanity in there so <clears throat> they have her listed as an unexplained disappearance, but obviously she was found, so she didn't disappear. So she's calm. Well, every person 
reacts different to stress. You know? So, based on the way she acts, it really didn't matter. But the fact was, she was found, so <clears throat> she's not lost. I don't know if she's still alive, because I haven't really checked on it. Next one is uh, 1946, Paula Weldon. And she disappeared in the Green Mountains National Forest near uh, Glastonbury Mountain in Vermont, along a long trail. And here's a, here, you know, and here it comes again, which, like you, you guys all know that this hocus pocus stuff really freaks me out. She disappeared. Believers in a she disappeared in an area, a paranormal area called Bennington Triangle. What the hell is that? And why is it so paranormal? Like, why is it so mysterious? Um, the area got its name because of a handful of mysterious disappearances which occurred between 45 and 50. Yeah, we call that a serial killer. Um, just to throw some light on that one. <clears throat> and that says here, um, paranormal author Joseph A. Citro coined the term because of the the supposedly supernatural circumstances surrounding these vanish these disappearances. Well, here's a problem, Joe. Um, he coined the term, and you, you put in there supposedly supernatural circumstances. Well, you don't name things that are supposedly. Like, either, either is creepy or it ain't. It's not supposedly creepy. It either is or ain't. So figure that out. Okay. Let's get that. Let's get that straightened up. Weldon was the second person to go missing in the area of the Green Mountain National Forest during this period. Well, what period is that? A year, two years, five years? Who the hell knows? Eighteen-year-old <clears throat> Weldon was a college student who went out on the trail on, on December uh, of '46. She was dressed in normal hiking clothes, no long, uh, nothing made for overnight. Her attire impl implied that she planned to return before dark. How do you know? How do you know what she planned on doing? Like her attire implied. Clothing is an inanimate object. Can't apply any. It can't apply anything. Didn't say anything. Can't talk. Didn't write a sentence. So don't know where you're going with that one. When the temperatures were supposed to drop below freezing, Walden told her roommate that she was taking a long walk, and she never returned. <clears throat> well, where was she taking a long walk to? Boyfriend, boyfriend's house, <clears throat> to the main road, to hitchhike back. You know, you don't know. Now, here, several people spot, uh, spotted her as she hitchhiked her way to the trail and walked to the trail ahead. Which really doesn't tell me anything, because it doesn't tell me exactly where the, the the trailhead is in relationship to other civilization. Main road, people camping, campground. Um, so after nobody could find her, the classmate went back to the school, you know, started 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 uh, notifying people that her friend wasn't there. The classes were suspended to help with the search. The search process was disorganized at first until Wellington's father called in a favor from uh, police in the surrounding state. Unfortunately, the search did not pan out. Well, here's an inter <clears throat> interesting thing. You, you're going to notice that the majority of the 
search and rescue attempts in state parks. In state parks are usually unorganized because what happens is they get a bunch of people that have never been out in the woods before and, and they decide they want <clears throat> to forge their way into the woods. And um, they get lost. They destroy tracks. They destroy scent. Um, they put footprints all over the damn place and you just have a big bag of crap when they're all done. Um, so now the certain suggestion is she run off with a boyfriend. Don't know. Was she abducted? Did she commit suicide or did she die of exposure because of her inappropriate attire? Why do they keep calling it inappropriate attire? She wasn't properly dressed. Okay. Inappropriate attire just reminds me of something, you know, like, I don't know, just inappropriate, I guess. No one has discovered her body, so her disappearance remembers, remains a mystery. Well, that's interesting because you're right; it is a, it is a disappearance because nobody did the uh, did find her body. Uh, the rumors of the area, of the Long Trail, is home to uh, creatures called the Bennington Monster. Oh Christ! Um, could this have been Sasquatch-like animal having something to do with her disappearance? I don't know. Ask Dave Pilatus or George Knapp because I'm sure they'll say yes just to make money for another bullshit story. Uh, one positive outcome of the case was that the lack of organization in the search for Paula Welding led to the creation of the Vermont State Police, which responds to all wilderness searches and rescue missions in the state. Let me clarify this. Um, that may have been the procedure back then in the day, but now the... Uh, Vermont's Department of Fish and Game, probably the first ones, along with local police, uh, fire departments, and then the state police would be called in. So the state police are not utilized as, as uh, <clears throat> you know, hot search, search and rescue people anymore. They used to be <clears throat> Larry Jeffrey, 1966. Let's see what happened. At <clears throat> oh, another one. Six-year-old uh, Larry Jeffrey disappeared at the peak of Mount Charleston. In Humboldt, oh my God, what a name, Toyable National Forest. Like, where the hell is it? Who the hell named this? Short, a short drive from Las, uh, Las Vegas. The search began after the boy uh, wandered away from his brother, and within <clears throat> days, the National Guard and team of bloodhounds had uh, joined the search. Oh, Christ, here we come again. In an interview with Dave Pilatus, who told... Another used car salesman, George Knapp, that there was uh, <clears throat> were uh, predators afoot that day. What the hell does that mean? Predators afoot. I mean, what kind of predators? I mean, like Sasquatch, uh, uh, I don't know, mountain lions, cougars. Who the hell knows? What the hell does that mean? Who wrote this? <clears throat> it's easy to rule out an abduction by car. Well, no, it's not. As a matter of fact, it could be very logistical if somebody grabbed the kid and pulled him up to the path, like in uh, the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, which people don't think that happened, but it did. But uh, Dave Pilatus thinks a big hairy beast is walking around, grabbing kids out of the uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, him and uh, the UFO boy, uh, George Knapp, who, if it wasn't for Area 51, he would still just be sitting at a an anchor desk doing news. <clears throat> the boy just ran into oblivion. 
said Pelatus. No, he ran into the woods. He ran into the freaking woods. God, you are senile, man. And when uh, Jeffrey disappeared, he was wearing light clothing. And authorities were doubtful that he could survive the cold temperature at night. Well, there it goes, okay? Not a hard one to figure out. He walked into the woods. He wasn't properly dressed for colder temperatures. And he died of exposure. Simple, okay? It's not... No, Bigfoot didn't grab him. I mean, you know, no UFO landed down there and grabbed him. <clears throat> Searchers found and lost trails a few times. Well, obviously, because you were on a disorganized search where you had people walking all over the trail, leaving scent and all that stuff. Um, some believe the boy had been eating insects and foraging berries along the way. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that? I mean, are you guessing or are you just filling a story with this bullshit? Um, but the determination of uh, uh, the boy's disappearance, it's its undetermined at this time. It's, it, it, who the hell, how the hell do you know? You didn't find him. How do you know he was eating bugs and insects and foraging for berries along the way? God, people make such shit up. 1966, Dennis Lade Martin. It was actually June 14th. I wrote a book on it. It's called The Disappearance of uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin. And as I go through this, I will add some additional real facts in here, which I'm quite quite sure after reading a couple of these articles it doesn't contain. Six-year-old Dennis Martin was on a camping trip near the Tennessee, uh, North Carolina state line with his family in the summer of 66. He was actually attending a, uh, a traditional Father's Day um, camping trip uh, that all of his family members had uh, attended for a couple decades. <clears throat> Dennison and his brother had planned on playing a tri- uh, trick on the adults. <clears throat> they had all gone separate ways in a brush, jumped out on different sides of the camp- campsite to scare the adults. <clears throat> it was a typical joke that had... had should have ended with some uh, startled shouts and then a, a lot of laughter. Well, the fact was Dennis was sent on a long... <clears throat> Dennis and his brother were not the only two involved. There was another set of Martins that had stayed with them the following the, that's the following night and that day. The Martins, <clears throat> one was Carter Martin, the father. There was another Dennis Martin, and I forgot the other kid's name. By no way related, although if you read a lot of these or go online, all of them have, have them as being related. They have Dr. Martin as being a doctor or Carter Martin being a doctor. Carter Martin was not a doctor. <clears throat> he had a doctorate's degree to teach. Uh, and I forgot what the name of the place was because I've written so many books I can't remember. Alabama. So... Uh, so Dennis was sent on that path because Dennis, at the time, had been wearing a red T-shirt, and they were afraid that Dennis would be spotted by the adults sneaking around, so they sent him on the right trail, which was a longer trail, walked off, disappeared, never never to be seen again. A uh, big search lasted 29 days, over 1,500 people. Uh, let me see what they say here. Family park rangers and other hikers spread out to search for Dennis almost immediately, but... He was nowhere to be found. Well, 
here's the fact. He was 48 inches tall and weighed about 70 pounds. Could have easily hid under the brush. And people, and people that are <clears throat> kids that are afraid, even when you shout their name, hide. Uh, one of the people searching was Park Ranger Dwight McCarter, who successfully tracked down hundreds of missing persons, including young children. McCarter was a seasoned tracker and was <clears throat> struck by the complete lack of uh, any sort of tracks Dennis seemed to have left behind. Well, that's true. I, I talked to uh, I talked to uh, McCarter uh, a couple years back. Um, you got to remember at the time there were 1,500 searchers, uh, three sets of dogs, uh, the uh, tracks and the DNA evidence were completely uh, compromised. So that's where we have it. Um, so that there was no mystery about there. And then again, if Dennis was at the time, what they failed to tell you, it had rained for almost every day since the beginning of June all the way to <clears throat> September of that year, uh, washing away French tracks sent, leaving high water. So if he had accidentally fell, fallen into the water, he would have easily disappeared without a trace. Now, another family that evening that the boy went missing, the Key family allegedly heard screams and then saw a bearded man with some Something slug over his shoulder that looked like it could be a small child. All fake. I talked to uh, Bernard Key. I interviewed him. I was the last person to interview him. It is in my book. Uh, the whole interview with uh, him is in my book. Uh, what had happened was the, the reports will say that um, his two boys were walking ahead of him. Uh, they saw something hiding behind a big log or whatever, <clears throat> and when they approached, it was a man uh, wearing some type of animal skin, possibly possibly uh, carrying something over his shoulder. Uh, all fake. All fake. Uh, Harold was actually ahead of all of them by about 200 yards. Um, as he went... He was with his wife, Virginia. The boys were the boys and the sister who were there were walking along the footpaths, along the, the water, <clears throat> picking up sticks and stones and all that kind of stuff that young kids do. What caught Harold's attention was he heard two yells. One was from a young boy screaming help. The second one sounded like... Uh, possibly somebody being hit or injured, okay? Uh, he was unable to pinpoint where where the exact, the exact voice came from because it was a mountain range, it's hard to tell. He said he went several hundred yards in an attempt to look, but he had his family behind him, so <clears throat> he did not want to go too far into the woods. Um, at the time, he had just left the Marine Corps. He was a pretty <clears throat> tough guy. Um, but what him and his wife saw was a middle-aged white male, or appeared to be a middle-aged white male, wearing normal clothes, wasn't in bare skin, wasn't holding anything over his shoulder, running 
across their path at a couple hundred feet. <clears throat> they say disheveled. They basically, his clothes were, his shirt was pulled off. You know, wasn't wasn't wearing a damn bearskin suit like uh, <clears throat> Pilatus says. Uh, wasn't carrying anything like Pilatus says. Uh, a lot of things Pilatus says about that, um, that all of his interviews with this are, are <clears throat> not correct. So, his, he turned, Harold turned to his wife and said, this man isn't thinking straight because the man was <clears throat> running at a fast pace. He was perspiring. He ran up to the road, got into a white car that, um, that he couldn't see the license plate or didn't really think of looking at the make and model, jumped into it, took off. Okay, so all this other hocus-pocus bullshit you hear about that is just all fake. Um, it says, Martin's disappearance... You know, oh, God, who wrote this? Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> so here, here again, and, and here's another, uh, another bit of uh, misinformation. The Key family allegedly heard a scream and then saw a bearded man, a bear, a bear man, not a bearded man, a bear, like bear animal bear, bear man with something slung over its shoulder that looked like it could be a small child. Bullshit. Nobody saw that. I talked to another witness that was there, the daughter. She didn't see it either. The brothers didn't see it. Nobody saw it. Okay? So, happened to talk to them too. <clears throat> we'll never know whether this was related to the Martin disappearance. Well, it was related to the Martin disappearance, not the bear. The FBI to this date, because they're, the FBI Freedom of Information Act is about the most inefficient source of information a human being can possibly have, and I hope you're out there listening because you're all a bunch of yahoos. Um, <clears throat> disappearance, not a criminal, this is not a criminal case according to them. Disappearance undetermined of a lost person, not criminal. They still fail to um, release the report. I'll tell you why they fail to re release the report. Even though it's 50 years old and they haven't haven't attempted to uh, do an updated investigation, was that <clears throat> someone did try to attempt to kidnap uh, Dennis Lloyd Martin. The keys heard his scream. The guy probably let the kid go after backhanding him. The keys probably scared him out of the woods up to his car. He takes off. So there's an abduction. FBI doesn't want you to know that, but we know it, and I'm putting it out there, so I don't give a shit what they think. Um, the fact was, after Dennis was let go, he ended up in an area of the park uh, <clears throat> known as the Hollow. And <clears throat> back in 1981, two ginseng hunters who were lately poaching ginseng found the remains of a young boy. Okay, so Dennis Martin was the only young boy that was never located in the park. Again, they had gone back and talked to uh, Dwight McCarter. Uh, Dwight McCarter had got a hold of the Bryson County uh, search team, which is in North Carolina. Another bunch of uh, people that don't seem to want to re re uh, give you any information on the Freedom of Information Act because maybe that's just how they are down there. Who the hell knows? But... Um, 
the interesting thing, and I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to make friends with it, but I don't really care. The FBI has a 147-page report, excuse me, report on this disappearance. If they didn't think it was anything, it would not be 147 pages. Of course, Pilatus, like Pilatus usually does, um, always comes up with a conspiracy theory. The conspiracy theory was that James Reich in 1973 committed suicide due to not handling the case right, uh, unspecified information or details he had about the case that he couldn't live with anymore. Talk to James Reich's son. Uh, all bullshit. There was a reason why uh, James Reich had committed suicide, but it has nothing to do with that. And yes, I am probably one of the only people that know the exact cause of why James Reich committed suicide. I didn't put it in my book because you don't need to read that. That's not your business. And that's just how it is. <clears throat> uh, so that's all bullshit. Um, so... A lot of, you see a lot of this information, let me tell you where the, the FBI, just like a lot of places, screw up. You see, for something law enforcement-wise to be held without being released under the Freedom of Information Act, which is a violation in case any of you are out there listening, uh, there has to be some substance to the continuation of the investigation, which there is not. But what you have is you have some civilian that has probably never even sat in a patrol car attempting to make determinations on the exclusionary rule that the FBI has set in place. Well, let me tell you what. One, a civilian shouldn't be reviewing this stuff because they don't have no clue what the hell they're doing. Second, the exclusionary rule only includes active investigations, and you have no active investigation, you have no suspects, you have shit on a stick. That's what you have, FBI. So, get over yourselves. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, it has prompted me to the point this year, I or coming up next year, I'm going to try to create some type of legislation to remove the indefinite cap on uh, certain freedom of information uh, records. you got a lost person. The FBI... And all their statements says it's undetermined lost person. No crime, why are you holding the records? Because you're full of shit. So, if you haven't actively investigated in over 52 years, why shouldn't I, excuse me as I die again, <coughs> it's cold, why shouldn't I have access to that information? What are you afraid? I'm going to find out something that you don't already know? But I talked to, I interviewed Bernard Key. And he told me a lot about you guys that you probably don't want me to tell people. Okay? Like the two phone calls you made to his house threatening him. Not to tell anybody? Hmm. Oop, did I let that one go out by accident? Oh, sorry. Should have given me my freedom of information paperwork I wanted to. And I wouldn't have just thrown you under the a fucking bus. But I'm going to throw you under the bus because that's where you, do, you belong. Nice suits you have. Where do you buy them? J.C. Penney's? So, with that being said... And again, here is a law enforcement agency afraid that somebody's going to actually find out some real information and in some way or form 
the case may be solved. And because they didn't do it themselves, they don't want anybody else to. It's got nothing to do with exclusionary or anything. So there's nothing going on in that case that's exclusionary. Except for the only exclusionary bullshit going on there is I'm not getting <clears throat> the information I should get. Okay, let's try one more here. Douglas Legg. Disappearance, 1971. Where is this from? <clears throat> this is the Adirondack Forest Preserve. Uh, okay, this is kind of interesting. When his uncle spotted poison ivy and told Legg to pull down long pants to protect himself, the family cabin was a short distance away. Actually, a straight shot from where they were. <clears throat> the eight-year-old... Okay, like, I'm going to let an eight-year-old just wander through the effing woods. Especially back in those days when you had father-mother fa rapers running all over the place. Uh, let me see what the hell I... I just might have this effing thing just, just kind of screwed me all up here. Um, so I don't know where I'm going to be able to go with this case because uh, I just had a big, big screw-up with this... Uh, Big screw up with this this case here. Oh, let me see. Okay, here we go. It says, unlike a lot of kids who have gone missing in the national parks, Leg was very familiar with these woods. The family owned the cabin where where they were uh, staying, and described Leg as a <clears throat> many woodsman because they well they thought the same thing of Dennis Lloyd Martin that he was a many woodsman, but <clears throat> you know many is many. Uh, many he doesn't think like an adult, and that's how it is. Uh, leg, leg disappearance uh, sparked one of the Southern <clears throat> Adirondacks' largest uh, search search and rescue missions with more than 600 people. Well, you know, you know what's interesting is when they have these big searches, they never refer back to the information that was <clears throat> the uh, search and rescue learned about the Dennis Boyd Martin case. And their search is 600 people. It's not as close as Dennis Lloyd Martin's, but, you know, there's a lot. So, let's see what we got here. Uh, I'm just trying to get back to my notes here, because I, I have my notes all over the damn place. Uh, unlike the Martin case, rescues used dogs in the search. Well, that's untrue, because <clears throat> in the search and rescue attempt for Dennis Lloyd Martin, three sets of dogs were used, nose to ground, ground to ear dogs, nothing was ever found. Uh, some accounts describe dogs following legs sent over 30 miles. Probably not. Probably not. Although, let me do mention distance here, just, just so we're clear about this. If a person walks in any direction for eight miles, they're probably, I mean, for eight hours, they, they are at least 12 miles away from the point of origin. Okay, so if they walk for two days or 24 miles, and just keep adding that for every eight hours they walk. Um some actually, some actually have said it's 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 a longer distance for a shorter time, which I believe, I believe, you know, twelve miles can probably be walked in uh, four hours. And it says here, how could a, uh, such a young child travel a long distance for such a travel such a distance? Well, children are young; they move faster. Um, some searchers were seeing bear-like tracks near the site. Yeah, well, you know what? Of course, there's bears in the woods. What, do you, what, what the hell do you think you're going to see? Um, <clears throat> that's nothing. While uh, 
black bear do drag their prey off to cover. Yeah, but here, here again, we're, we're dealing with the animal attack. The animal attack thing. Here's a problem. So he's attacked by an animal. <clears throat> no blood. No torn clothes. No clothes that fell off. Highly unlikely. Uh, the family members uh, <clears throat> became desperate and, and began suspecting uh, others and even their friends of ducking leg, but the police were certain that the uh, many woodsmen had simply gotten lost. He was never found. <clears throat> well, the fact is, to be honest with you, in a point like that, uh, like in the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, everybody expects everybody. They had called in... Um, they had called in, uh, you know, these, uh, I don't want, I don't want to use the wrong term because it probably won't come out the right way, but they had used these people, you know, that, uh, do the crystal ball thing and all that kind of shit. <clears throat> it never works, never going to work. So that's how it is. But again, like in the Dennis Lloyd Martin case, uh, there was a lot of disorganization in the, uh, Initial part of the search it probably destroyed a lot of evidence, uh, tracking, searching. Uh, so that's what we have. So with that being the case, <clears throat> I will see you on episode number number 54. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, um, but whatever it's going to be, it'll be interesting, and I'm sure I'll have a lot more <clears throat> negative comments to put in the. <clears throat> put in the forwarding of it, just like I always do, but as negative as they may be, they actually are factual, and it really pisses people off. Sorry about that one. You know, <clears throat> as far as they played as George Knapp, uh, George Norrie, and the late Art Bell, oh, who's a new one? Jeremy Corbell. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you're all car salesmen. You know, you, you just come up with more garbage. I mean, you just bolster shit up so it makes it sound like something is in excess. You know, except for Corbell, he's smart. He doesn't get himself too far. I mean, he bullshits, but he doesn't get him far enough, himself far enough into the rabbit hole for people to point fingers, because he knows when somebody says something to back off if he can't prove it. The other ones, you know, let me just tell you, they're, they're not right in a lot of things. Okay, well, this is uh, episode 53. I will see you episode 54. And just remember, if you're in a dark place, dark woods, dark anywhere, first ask yourself, and you hear footsteps behind you, first ask yourself what the hell you're, you're doing there. And second, you better run like hell because you don't know what that person behind you wants. It might not be anything good. <clears throat>